Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I am Sean Farrell. <laughs> I'm sounding very much like my mother right now, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> with me, of course, is Matt. Matt, say hi. Hello. As usual, before we get into the episode, I just want to remind everybody there are different ways you can support the podcast. You can, of course, keep using your ear holes the way you're using them right now. Keep listening. You can also share us with your friends. You can subscribe. You can also visit stilltbd.fm. Let me say that faster for everybody who's trying to keep up with the myriad of letters that are spilling out of my mouth. Stilltbd.fm. There's a link there. And from that link, you can throw some coins in the cookie jar. Any kind of support is appreciated, whether it's just listening or even offering us a few coins. Before we get into the newest episode, I'd like to share some thoughts on our last episode. This was, of course, too many Bond villains floating the idea of floating cities. And I asked the question toward the end of the episode, what aspirational advanced do you embrace? And Pale Ghost shared this. The aspirational thing that I embrace is permaculture. It's the only thing that could realistically be the change our planet so desperately needs. Permaculture is an approach to land management. And it takes a look at naturally flourishing ecosystems and looks to model human-controlled ecosystems along those lines. So it follows principles of what nature is doing on its own. Yep. And I agree. I think that's a great, a great uh, thought process. And I actually see it in my neck of the woods here in Brooklyn, New York. They use wild growth to reclaim certain areas in our parks and along places like the waterways uh, near the rivers. And I live not too far from the Gowanus Canal and there are proposed projects as the cleanup operations around the Gowanus Canal are underway. Plans to increase biodiversity in this part of Brooklyn by allowing some of those sections to become a little wilder and, and basically reintroduce what uh, New York's native environment would have been like if we hadn't just paved the whole thing over. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. One of my, one of my friends is really into permaculture and got trained on it and actually came out to my house and was giving me advice and some things I could do if I wanted to kind of plant my own kind of like vegetable garden and how I could take advantage of cutting trees down and using those trees to end up creating beds that the stuff could grow in and what kind of things I could mm -hmm. grow that would naturally like this plant will you know, keep these kind of bugs away from this other plant. And like, he was kind of walking me through all of it. And it's, it's such a, when you think about it, it's like, well, well, duh. It's yeah. like, <laughs> this is what we should be doing everywhere. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's some of the stuff that if you read more about it, it becomes, it seems very common sense. Yeah. But it really, um, it's understandable that we don't think in those terms because there were there was such a great push generations ago to be able to harvest as much from the environment as possible because it was a survival issue. Mm -hmm. And so you push back against nature's natural processes like insect management. Well, get a poison. Don't mm -hmm. use other plants that will keep insects away. And of course, what we're talking about is the kind of approach that on our scale, like our backyards, it's nice for us to do. Um, agriculture, it's a lot more complicated, but hopefully more permaculture finds its way into larger ag agricultural projects. 
And that really is something that was a part of the floating city models that you talked about was also Mm -hmm. incorporating that. There was also this comment from Kai Crush. Kai really liked Matt's statement that what we learn and find on the journey to the goal is more important than the goal itself. So the entire idea of aspirational thinking as being a starting point as opposed to an end point was what Kai took away. I think that's a, Mm -hmm. a good lesson. I also wanted to share this message from Sunshine Haven, which ties in a little bit to our current episode. Sunshine writes, hello, gentlemen, enjoying the podcast. I wanted to share that I've signed a contract for solar. I'm super stoked about it. Not sure those around me understand my enthusiasm. So I thought (laughs) I'd share it with you. Please be excited for me. Thanks. Oh, I'm definitely excited. Yeah. Congratulations. I get, I get, um, I get people reaching out to me all the time about, in fact, I just got one over this weekend about, you know, I'm thinking of going solar, but I live in Georgia and I'm having trouble making, seeing it's going to be worth my while. And so it's like I, I give people a hand trying to figure out if the return on investment makes sense, if the energy they'll make makes sense. And sometimes the answer is no, it doesn't work for you. So it's it's such a personal choice. And I can totally understand why his friends and family may not understand why he's excited, but right. <laughs> be, be excited. <laughs> so today's episode, we're going to be talking about this smart home electric panel fixed my Tesla Powerwall. No question marks on this one. No, this is from August 3rd, 2021. And this one was um, from start to finish. You're talking about a product which really seems to have a lot of polish on it. So it seems well thought out. I was curious before we get into the viewer questions, I was curious, is there a gap in the hardware or software that you're not seeing filled yet between all the devices that you've got working in this uh, small scale grid that you have for your home between mm-hmm. the panels, the power wall, a device like the one you're talking about, the span. Um, is there still a gap there somewhere that you're like, oh, this should be filled? For my personal setup, yes, there is still a gap, but I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm not going to be filling it. It's, it's, it would require changing out too many things. And it gets kind of technical, but it has to do with my solar panel system where if your solar panel system is producing more energy than your battery can take, or it's, it will just turn off the entire system. And it's like, well, but I could still actually take some energy. I just can't take as much as you're giving me. There are systems now like from Enphase that will turn off specific strings on the inverter. So it won't turn off your entire system, but it might turn off a couple of tracks of panels, but leave one panel up and running. So instead of getting 10,000 kilowatts of power, you might be getting 2,000. So it can control the flow instead of it's turning on and off. It's turning on and off specific sections of it. So it's it's a more efficient way to handle it. But other than that, my setup now doesn't have <laughs> any gaps in that user experience for the microgrid that I've got. Right. And are there some people who would have something along the lines of redirecting that power to some kind of physical battery or other kind of storage device, a kinetic thing that might fill in a similar way where you've talked about some of the different options that are obviously large scale, but is there anything on the home level that somebody would be able to say, okay, when at a certain point when my power needs are full and the battery is full, that extra solar is helping spin up this kinetic storage device. 
Not like that. There's um, instead of batteries, like lithium ion batteries, there's hydrogen systems that you can get. Um, there's a, co- a company, uh, Australia, I'm blanking on their name right now, but they make a, it's a version of a power wall, but it's using fuel cells and hydrogen to generate energy in storage. Uh, there's theoretically at a point when we're able to actually generate green hydrogen efficiently that you could have a system at home that, do- that creates hydrogen that can be used in a fuel cell kind of a thing on your premises so it's like at some point that will get there but right now no i was also wondering about the apps you showed in your video that the span app has certain design the user interface design seems to be slightly modeled on tesla's so that it felt familiar to you and i was wondering is there a place where these apps can actually talk to each other in a more seamless way is there is there a way that they could integrate with one another or is this really a you're going to be doing switching back and forth between apps to do different things well they already kind of do because the span system talks directly to the tesla gateway on your local network so the two systems because there's a there's an an api that tesla has that's lo- you can access locally. I could go to a web page and type in the IP address of my gateway and see exactly what my Tesla system is doing. Mm-hmm. And I can do the same exact thing for span. And the two of those things talk. And so that the span can actually control, help control the gateway and the power wall. And not the other way, but from span in, tapping in to get the information, it can. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's already, it's already there to a certain extent. And w- I mentioned this at the very end of the video, but like, I can't, I don't want to speak for span, but there were people that were on the premises that were installing it. I was talking to people and it sounds like span's going to be opening up more APIs and more open functionality for more local control. Mm-hmm. I don't know how quickly they're going to roll this out, but the more they do that, it's going to make this integration where what app you're using may not really matter because what I'm excited for is I want to tap the span into my broader smart home which means I may not even have to use the span app. I could potentially just use my smart home system app and see exactly what's going on and maybe turn right. things on and off from a separate app completely that that's of my choosing. So it's, I think in time, this will just get more and more open uh, between all these systems. Right. Wanted to move on to some viewer questions. There was this from Srutrakshi Sinha who wrote, can you please clarify why they can't have just one set of computer-controlled hardware switches instead of having them in addition to the traditional circuit breakers? Does it have anything to do with short-circuit protection and braking capacity? It's a, it's, a, it's a safety issue. You can't just have... You can't just have some kind of like digital software-controlled switch. Um, you have to have some kind of physical on off switch that can be that can flip off if it gets triggered or manually you can go over there and flip it off there are other smart panels like this and some of them use proprietary um uh breakers where Mm -hmm. the span can use just any off-the-shelf breaker um there's other systems that use specially manufactured breakers which are very expensive because the smarts are embedded into the breaker itself Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing it's it's a digital shut on and off and then it's also a physical switch it has to be that way. If you if you look at any smart home system stuff, like even just light switches you can install on your wall, there's always a manual 
like thing that you pull or kind of flick to to shut off the switch itself separate from the digital control otherwise it's like is the digital thing working properly it's like there's a whole safety issue where you have to manually be able to shut it off not only if you had to get in there and physically fix something and you'd want to know that it was physically off but if something was going drastically wrong if that you had an electrical fire starting somewhere you wanted to be able to go in and turn off the system in an emergency situation i can understand the need for the physical breaker it also kind of ties in some other questions i was seeing come up in the on the video which was um what happens if the power goes out it's like does it does the panel stop functioning as a smart panel it's like no it still does function as a smart panel and the panel is designed to fail over to a dumb panel so like let's right. say you have certain switches turned off digitally and then something goes catastrophically wrong it defaults itself back to manual control so right. it's like you're never going to be in a situation where your panel is stuck in an off position because the digital switches are switched off it's like it's it's you'll ne- you should never end up in that situation right it always kind of defaults to dumb there was also this question from solar junkie Solar writes, one question about your setup. Did you find the number of supported circuits to be limiting in your case? With all of your home automation, et cetera, you may have more complex demands than the average homeowner. It was a concern when they were first talking to me because it has fewer circuit possibilities. It was, I think it's 32 in the span and I had like 40 possibilities, I think in my previous panel. And so the question was, will it all fit? And it technically didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were circuits in my old setup that were like, what is that used for? We don't know what it's used for. I think it's just a, we can get rid of it. And then there were other things that we were able to move into a sub panel inside the Tesla gateway itself. So like my solar panel um, circuit breakers were moved from inside my electric, my main panel, and it was moved into the gateway because it made sense. It's like, here's the Tesla gateway and it's handling my solar, the battery, everything. And all those switches are now inside the gateway itself. And then everything else for the house is inside the span panel. And that freed up, I think it was like a couple of circuits. Mm-hmm. So we we got it down where I have a couple of spares. So it's like for me personally, in my setup, it worked just fine. But I live in a small house <laughs> with right. not a ton of circuits. If I was living in like a 3,000 square foot home with a you know family of five or something like that, you're probably going to ba- hit the boundary of what this panel can do. Because some ha- homes have three in- 300 amp service and this panel doesn't support 300 amps so Mm. you're going to end up in a situation where you're going to have to have breakout panels and things like that um so because the span is a 200 amp panel which is what the vast majority of homes in the united states are right so you'd in that situation either have a second span panel or maybe just an additional dumb panel yeah there was there's uh, i know somebody that got the span panel and had a breakout panel put that had an additional 10 circuits in it and that 10 circuits is controlled by one breaker on the span panel. Okay. So it, it, you lose some of the granular control because it's of that. It's semi-dumb. but It's, it's semi-dumb. Yeah. But it's, it's controlling most of the stuff in their home with the exception of this small little breakout thing. Right. And would the logic there dictate that you would put the really superfluous stuff onto that dumb panel? Or would you put some of the most basic, like, well, we definitely know this will never want to be turned off so that's why it's on the dumb panel you would probably go that route i would think you'd probably go that route you'd probably want things like you want your stove and your refrigerator dryer right refrigerator on the span and then you'd want everything else kind of that doesn't need granular control in the the breakout panel right 
And there was this from Eric Kessler. Eric writes, in your home installation with power walls and solar, how many of the span's 32 possible circuits are used up exclusively for your solar and power walls? I'm counting my circuit slots like they're gold. I suspect the span won't take the half width circuit breakers. If it does, then the smart switch features will be controlling both half width breakers. So what is your yeah. situation there with? I don't know about the half width. I don't know about that. Um, but for me, it's like I had, I think it was three circuits that were required for my solar Tesla power wall, all that kind of stuff. It was three circuits. And those, like I said, were all put in the gateway. So they're all isolated to themselves. Um, but yeah, I don't know about the half circuits. I'm also curious, uh, before we wind down this episode, you mentioned that there was a rogue dehumidifier that was causing all sorts of <laughs> usage yes. issues for you that you had a difficult time tracking down. You want to give us a little bit of that story? Because this, is, this <laughs> happened to me twice. <laughs> I'm so bad with our dehumidifiers. The first time it happened, my sense figured it out for me because when I used to have sense, I have a dehumidifier in my garage, which is a closed garage. It's in the basement level. So it gets very humid in there. And I had, it was the way I had it set up, the smart home operations, which was supposed to be controlling the humidity level and, and turning the dehumidifier on and off on its own. It wasn't working. It was just like, for some reason, it just stopped working. And so that thing was running 24 hours a day. <laughs> and the sense was kind of like, uh, you got something going on over here. Uh, this time it was the same thing. We have a dehumidifier in our finished basement. Uh, and we thought I had it set at good levels, humidity levels and stuff like that. And it's not controlled by the smart home. It was just the dehumidifier doing its own thing. And the dehumidifier is basically like, I'm going to run 24 seven. And the, <laughs> the span kind of just like, it was like the, the basement outlet switch it's on. It's like, I was looking in span. I was like, why is there like 700 Watts? Like almost all the time in the basement, what is going on in the basement? It's like, it's, come on. And that's when I went down there and I just, I flipped it off and then the demon over went, and I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's when it's, you realize that the cat who lives in the basement was also bone dry. She's, <laughs> she's slowly yes. being turned into jerky. Yeah. So listeners, I'd love to hear, your thoughts about all of this, including this specific question on a scale of one to 10, what level of user are you? Are you a one, which would make you a Sean <laughs> or are you a 10, which would make you a Matt? And well, let's put Matt at a nine. Let's say yeah, there's people, let's put people nine. there's, there's a level above Matt. Let's say oh, yeah. Matt's, Matt's a nine. So where would you be on that scale? Are you like me listening to all of this and thinking, wow, that's all fascinating that that can all happen, but I'll just stick with my AA batteries. <laughs> or are you like Matt and actively pursuing this path and looking to use some of this tech yourself in your own homes? And if you do have any of this in your homes, let us know what your experience is like. I'm sure Matt would love to be able to compare notes and figure out if there's an even more efficient way to set up the devices that he's got. So let us know what you think. You can find the contact information in the podcast description. You can also, if you're on YouTube, I know you don't want to scroll away from our beautiful faces, but if you do, <laughs> you'll see that there's a whole section below the moving pictures that includes the contact info and a place where you can comment. Also, don't forget there's ways to directly support the podcast. You can go to 
stilltbd.fm, and you'll find the cookie jar there. It's waiting for a few coins. And of course, even if you're not able to give the support you give us by just listening, by watching, by rating and reviewing and sharing this with your friends really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew has more tech in his garage than I have in my entire house. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.